journey called purpose and today can you believe it week number three of six that means by the end of today we are halfway through our purpose journey and if you have missed any of the previous messages then I would encourage you to go online and uh, watch them and listen to them they have really been super helpful and uh, I must admit I was rather excited when I knew or when we knew we were going to be doing a purpose journey I still am excited because let's face it I'm sure some of you have asked yourself the question, maybe you've asked someone else the question, maybe you've even Googled it, what is your purpose? What a question. And as I, I looked at this title banner for this journey, I have to admit that I was sucked into Googling how many times people used the Google platform to find their purpose. Turns out over 5,000 people a month Google what is my purpose. This topic of purpose carries an incredible weight to it. And I trust that as we minister, that God would speak to each and every one of us. Not, as we, not, not only as we unpack these six messages right here as best as we can, but as you become a part of a small group as well. And for those of you who are not a part of a small group, I'd really encourage you just to, get a part, just to become a part of one and participate for six weeks. And also, as we go through our booklet, 36 devotionals in this booklet, use the resource. It is a wonderful resource, and it is for Mahala. So six weeks is the ask. Six weeks, that's all it is. And if you had paid money for this book, I reckon we would be so brave and venture and say, money back guaranteed if you weren't transformed somehow throughout this journey. But you didn't pay any money for it, so I don't have to say that. But you will be transformed. So how do we do it then? How do we discover or how do we learn what the purpose is for our lives? Well, there are two ways. The first is through speculation. For hundreds of years, we've had some great and some not so great philosophers speculating about life. But when it comes to the purpose of your life, philosophers can only hazard a guess at their best try. Luckily, there's a second option, which is through revelation. And we get to turn to God and see what he says about this life through his son Jesus and through his word. If you want to discover the purpose of an invention, then the best way is to simply ask the creator of that invention. So when it comes to your purpose and my purpose, the best place to find that purpose is straight from the creator. And as we do, we discover, as Brent mentioned last week, there are actually four, five core aspects to our purpose. Last week we discovered that our first and primary purpose of our lives is Christ. In other words, without Christ at the very center of it, us as Jesus' followers actually don't have purpose or one that truly will fulfill us. This week, as we expand, we discover that the next purpose of our lives is Christ-likeness. That is the topic of this message today. That is my purpose. That is your purpose, is Christ-likeness. And uh, having a chat with old Chad, you, many of you would know him as our tech buff. And uh, he was saying to me, why don't we just, why don't we just simplify the title and, and make it more becoming like Jesus or becoming like Christ? Because Christ-likeness seems quite hectic. And initially I thought it was because he was homeschooled. But actually... That's exactly what this is about. And what our purpose is, is becoming more like Christ. Well, I love you, Chad. 
Take a look at how passionately Paul addresses the believers in the book of Galatians. You might want to turn me down a fraction if you can, please. Galatians 4.19 says, Oh, my dear children, I feel as though I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. First of all, I don't know how Paul knows what labor pains is. That's kind of weird for me. Until Christ is fully developed in your lives. The NIV says, until Christ is formed in you. You see, Paul was utterly convinced that this is a core part of our purpose. To become more and more and more like Christ until he is fully developed inside of us. So this morning, I'm going to keep it super simple. And I want to ask us three questions. Questions not to condemn. Questions not to judge. Questions that... Believe me, I'm asking myself first and foremost, but questions that will hope, hopefully get us to start thinking what is our true purpose for our lives. So three questions. Number one, do your life goals include Christ-likeness? What does Jesus look like and how do we become more like Jesus? So just right off the bat, a bit of a disclaimer, if you are new to the faith or maybe you haven't uh, quite given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, then I know this question could be far out. But I'm trusting that as we unpack this question a little bit more this morning, as we unpack these questions, that something would resonate inside of you and that you would learn a little bit more and uh, begin to ask some questions to yourself. And once again, I encourage you to go and have a listen to Brent's message last week as a foundation. As children growing up in school, we were often given an assignment in an English class. Might have been a different class for you guys. And we were asked to write out some of our goals or aspirations or, or dreams that we had in life. And the kind of things that we would like to accomplish. And I don't know about you, but I used to write down some weird and wonderful things. Like becoming a pilot and flying a jet. I wanted to become a mountaineer and climb snowy mountains. I wanted to ride in a fire engine. It sounded more extreme back then. I wanted to become an astronaut and fly to the moon. I even remember a time in high school now, maturing a bit, that I bet a friend that I would be a millionaire by the age of 25. And if I was not a millionaire by the age of 25, I was going to pay him the hefty sum of five rand. Clearly, my aspirations to become a millionaire was not very high. Josh, if you're watching this, I still owe you five bucks, by the way. The reality is we've all seen a number of these lists, right? Lists of hopes, dreams, goals, aspirations. And let me tell you, as you mature, these lists don't just disappear. In fact, they get more advanced, complex, and the list gets longer. But in all the lists that I have seen, I don't think I've ever seen one in which someone wrote, I want to become more like Jesus. And you're probably thinking, well, sure, Scott, you're talking about primary school years, you're talking about high school years. I mean, someone's not mature at that age, and I get that, and you're probably right. But if I had to give someone a fresh piece of paper today as a Jesus follower and ask them to write their goals, their aspirations, their desires for their life, do you think Christ-likeness would be close to the top? Of all the things we could strive for in life, shouldn't this be one of the things that are right at the top of someone who is in love with Jesus. And it isn't that God just randomly desires us to look like Jesus. It's actually way more powerful than that. It is actually the fact that he has created us for this very purpose. 
Let's rewind all the way back to Genesis. When God first created human beings, he made them in his own image. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So after God had created all the plants and all the trees and all the chochos and all the animals, he created something that was vastly different to all of those things, but he created something that was so much more like him, and that was you and I. And as we know from that point, unfortunately, the proverbial pawpaw hit the fan, and through our choices to sin, insert Adam and Eve, it resulted in that image of God in us being marred. In other words, that appearance of him in us was spoilt. But the good news is that God is not distracted from his purpose. And so he sent Jesus down to earth. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he was also fully human as well. And through his death on the cross and his resurrection, he made it possible for our sins to be forgiven and for us to enter into and step into the newness of life and to become who he had originally designed us to become, and that was like him. Galatians tells us that with Christ living in us, and Viv read this, we now have the possibility of becoming like the one who has died for us. My old self, this is 2 verse 20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, but trusting in the Son of Man, Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's God's plan. That's his intention, that we die to our old selves so that we can become more like him. Again, this idea is presented beautifully to us in Romans 8 verse 29. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. He has created us with the purpose of being like Jesus. Phew. So I want to ask you this morning, what are the things that you hope you will accomplish in your life, that you aspire to in your lives. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe it's just me, maybe it's only solid ground. Our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations usually only revolve around our happiness. We want to be comfortable, right? We want to have it easy. We want to have enough to find meaning and fulfillment in work and sometimes even other things, to experience interesting and exciting things to have nice things and to be free from worry. And often we drive so hard and fast towards these things and to some measure we actually achieve them. But I want to remind us this morning we haven't solely been created to achieve these things. They're not bad things, please hear my heart. God wants us to work hard at things, he wants us to have nice things, but they're not what we have been created for. They are not our sole purpose. We have been created to become more like Jesus. Our purpose is Christ-likeness. So I want to ask again, do your life goals include Christ-likeness? Question number two. What does Jesus look like? I don't know if it's just me, but if I want to imitate something or someone, then it kind of helps to know what that thing or someone looks like, right? We cannot imitate something that we don't know what it looks like. So let me ask you, here's an illustration, might be a bad one, but forgive me. If I took out a, a fresh piece of paper this morning 
And I gave it to each one of you and I asked you to draw in as much detail with as much scale and whatever an O copy. An O copy. Could you draw it for me? Raise your hand if you can draw an O copy for me. Not many hands. I'm seriously impressed and seriously freaked out. You see, even though I have Googled it, and I try to find the most random animal, I still wouldn't be able to draw it very well because it's not something that I know very well. Can we put that picture of an Okapi up there? <laughs> Welcome Okapi. And to be honest, it's not an animal that I want to go get to know very well either. So that is a forest giraffe and that lives in the Congo and it's the giraffe's only living relative. But as you can see, it's a mixture between a zebra and a giraffe and um, it looks seriously confused as well. My point is this. It is impossible to imitate something that we have no idea about or picture of. And the same is true for us in Christ. We ought to become like him but if we don't know him then how are we to imitate him? And please hear my heart, I'm not talking about looks. I'm talking about something that's deeper than that. He's the very nature and character that we are to imitate. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known, made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It's an incredible verse and it tells us that we will be like Jesus when we see him. Of course it speaks more about when he returns and our eyes are perfectly open to see him for who he is. But the underlying indication here gives us a great hint as to what we are to do now should we want to become more like him and that is to simply observe him. And as we observe him we will be able to become more like him. So what does Jesus look like? And we could sit here all day and draw up a more comprehensive list but we don't have time. And so I want to just pull out four little quick points and you will probably all know this but I want to ask are we imitating these little things of Jesus? First of all he was a servant. Matthew 20, 28 says just as the son of man did not come to, to be served but to serve and give his life as ransom for many. Jesus is a servant. His whole life was devoted to service. Serve, serving his father and serving others. Repeatedly we see him being obedient to his father and making himself available to all kinds of people. Feeding the hungry, comforting the lost and healing the sick. I think the ultimate picture of servanthood comes though when we see Jesus hanging on the cross knowing that he didn't go to the cross for himself but actually he went to the, the cross for our sake being fully obedient to his father. If we want to become more Christ-like then we need to learn to imitate him in his servant attitude and his servant lifestyle. Where are you serving? Jesus was compassionate and we know he came down to this earth full of compassion. Matthew 9 36 says when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus didn't only see surface needs of people, actually he saw way beneath that and he saw the deep hurt in their hearts. He knew they were utterly lost, like, I love it, like sheep without a shepherd. 
He didn't just look at them and dismiss them and say, go away. He didn't just look at them and say, hey, you should have made some better choices. We know that. He didn't just look at them and say, hey, you should have known better. Actually, he chose to love on them. He chose to have compassion for them. If we are to become more Christ-like, then we need to learn to imitate him in his compassion. Third little point is Jesus was gracious. And I think if we had to pull one story out the Bible that shows us the, 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 the grace of Jesus was the story about the woman who was caught in adultery. And we know that the Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus and they wanted an Old Testament law executed. They wanted her stoned to death. But I love that Jesus didn't act like any normal person would have acted back then. He was gracious in extending her forgiveness and gracious in extending her the hope of a new life. And I love that he caught the Pharisees in their typical hypocritical and judgmental attitude when he said, well, that's fine. We can stone her, but those without sin pick up the first stone and throw it. And we know what happens. No one could pick up a stone. Jesus was not quick to judge those who, was caught in, who were caught in sin, but was quick to offer a hope of change. If we are to become more Christ-like, we need to learn to imitate him in his grace. And let me remind you this morning that we have freely received this grace as well. And the last little point under this was that he was holy. In spite of such compassion and grace, we know it wasn't just because he tolerated sin that he was like this. Actually, we know that he was the one here on earth that never sinned. Hebrews 4:15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. He was sympathetic, he is sympathetic, but that never caused him to just to excuse me, tolerate sin. He lived a life here on earth sinless, even though he was tempted just as much as we were. If we are to become more Christ-like, then we need to learn to imitate him in his holiness. So what does Jesus look like? And that's a very personal question. What does Jesus look like to you? Four little points. He was a servant, he was holy, he was compassionate, and he was gracious. What does he look like to you? And can I ask, are you imitating that? And lastly, question number three. How do we become more like Jesus? Well, Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So if we have a look for the word work here, we are told we are to work, continue to work out your salvation, and we're also told it is God in you uh, who works in you. In other words, in other words, you are to work 100% and God is working 100% in you as well. It is not only one or the other. And let me tell you, it's not 50% and 50% because that still makes 50%. It's 100% and 100%. And this is a crucial truth should we want to become more like Christ. We know that God could do everything himself at the snap of his divine finger. But he actually chooses to allow us on this journey. And it's up to us to choose to work with him. That's how true transformation happens in our lives. Twofold. Understand that God is doing a work in me. He came to the earth and he died for my sin to show me his love and to take the penalty for my sin. 
He invites me into a relationship with him and into his family. And maybe today you're sitting here and you haven't invited him into your life. Maybe today is your opportunity to become part of the family and for you to start living a life that's full of purpose. God has given me his word and other believers to show me what he wants from me. He has surrounded us with people. And through his Holy Spirit, he gently nudges, guards, and corrects me when I make decisions that don't please him. And we are to believe that he is transforming us day by day into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Understand that we also need to work out our salvation. We ought to have fear and trembling. In other words, we need to have a very high view of God. We ought to honor him, to revere him, and to hold him higher in awe than anything else in this world. His forgiveness, and this is super practical, of my sin should lead me to forgiving others as well. His humility should inspire me to deal with my pride, to deal with my arrogance, and for me to become more humble. His sacrificial love should inspire me to do the same. And his acceptance of us should lead us to accept others. Please hear me, church, when I say this journey of becoming more like Christ is not a journey that we are to tackle by ourselves. Remember the science experiments at school? Usually when, or not just school, you used to watch them on TV as well. And if they're doing something super dangerous, they'd always say, please do not try this at home. Well, I want to say this morning, please do not become more like Christ on your own because often we will fall short. God in his kindness empowers us through the Holy Spirit to transform us day by day into becoming more Christ-like. I love Romans 8:26 says in the same way the spirit helps us in our in our weakness. Now I was going to pick on you men and say it says weakness, but this is for all of us. God helps us in our weakness we are not strong we cannot do this journey by ourselves and when we mention the Holy Spirit's power often we think it comes out in massive demonstrations thunder and lightning but so often God's the Holy Spirit's power is released into our life in a very unassuming way Steve Wimble used an illustration that I think is a great depiction of how we are to work with the Holy Spirit to become more like Christ and the illustration he used was, let's say, us trying to cross a lake. And there are typically three ways that we can try and cross this massive lake. There's the rowboat. And so often we jump on the rowboat and we start rowing the heck out of that thing, but we only know that it exhausts us, and 99 out of 100 times we just don't get to the other side. These people's favorite motto is, God helps those who help themselves. Then there's a raft, you know, those kind of blue pontoony things that we used to fix together at Magava School or whatever you used to, get us, used to call it. Remember those rafts? And we jump on them and these people have just simply given up trying and they just want to rely on God's goodness and God's grace and they just want to drift into becoming more Christ-like. But we know with current and wind that's not going to help either. Their favorite motto is, let go and let God. But neither rowing in our own strength nor just drifting in God's strength is enough to become, for us to become more Christ-like. That's where we introduce the sailboat. If it moves at all, it is a gift of the wind. We can't control the wind, but we know that a good sailor is able to discern where the wind is coming from and then set the sails accordingly. 
Waking with the Holy Spirit, which Jesus likened to the wind in John 3, means that we have a part to play in discerning the winds, in knowing the direction we need to go, and then adjusting our sails to catch the wind that God provides. That's how we become more like Jesus. God's purpose for our lives, and this is very liberating for me, because so often along the way we tend to pick up so much baggage and, and make things misty of what our true purpose is. But God's purpose is for us to become more Christ-like. My challenge this morning is simple. Can we stand, please? My challenge this morning is simple. To genuinely take stock of these three questions we asked this morning and begin to make adjustments where adjustments need to be made. Number one, does Christ-likeness currently fit into the purpose of my life? If not, why not? Do I know what Jesus looks like? We cannot imitate something that we don't know. Spend time with him, study the scriptures, observe him. I love how Paul was so intent, of getting, intent on getting to know Jesus more because he didn't just want head knowledge, but he wanted to become more like Jesus. And lastly, have I truly invited and allowed the Holy Spirit into my life to partner with me in becoming more like Christ? Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us to help us make better choices so that we can grow in becoming more like him. Church, I want to remind us this morning, our purpose, your purpose, my purpose, is Christ-likeness. Is Christ-likeness. Is that one of the goals and desires for our lives? And I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit's power, that revelation would fall afresh on us this morning. That something would refresh us, recharge us for us to run head first into becoming more like Christ.